Thank you, Kathleen. It's almost like you have a piano in your living room or something. <laughs> so, so good. Thank you, Kathleen. And, and that, as she played that, that, that made me think of the last verse of that last song that she played. It says, Jesus loves me still today. Walking with me on my way, he's prepared a home for me, and some, someday his face I'll see. You know, we learned that song as kids, but we don't learn that last verse. To remember that Jesus loves me still today. Thank you, Kathleen. Just so good to have you and David here, and we love you guys. Thank you so much. Today we're going uh, to, well, we're done with Amos, so you might say amen, but... Uh, we're done. We're out of there. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 11 today. Um, swinging back into some New Testament scripture. And Amos is probably something that you may or may not have really done much looking at in your life. But today we're going to look at Hebrews 11, which you've spent, if you've spent much time in church, you've probably read Hebrews 11. This is a much more commonly read text. And um, it's often referred to as, uh, some people call it the role of faith. Um, some sections of Bibles call it that, but uh, today we're going to be looking at chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip down and read verses 8 through 16. So I'd invite you to stand one more time as we hear the word of the Lord together. Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise." For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was post-childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And, and so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Wow, that, I, I didn't even mean for that last verse of Jesus loves me to, to flow right in, but that city, that's the promise of, that, of the end of that text there. Well, today I wanted us to dive into one of the most frequently used terms in Christianity. The term that's used all throughout Hebrews chapter 11, and that is this term, faith. Faith. We use that term a lot. We hear it all the time. We hear it from day one in kids' church, and until we die, we hear about faith in church. We throw it around all the time. You just got to have faith. 
Lord, give us faith. I want more faith. Well, let's look at how Hebrews 11 will help us with this idea of faith. So this, the entire chapter, if we would have read it all, lists numerous people from the Old Testament and talks about how it's only by faith that these extraordinary things have happened in their lives. The chapter starts off, though, as we read, giving us a good definition of faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You probably memorized that as a child if you grew up in the church. Let's use this definition as we kind of unpack some of the stories that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. So, you're going to roll your eyes, but I, I need some volunteers. Um, maybe five to seven people, if you would, come forward. Um, but you're not going to have to make decisions on your own. The congregation is going to help. And uh, so, so, come on. Don't all, all come at one time. This is interactive. Just five people... Five to seven people come stand up front. Why don't you just thank one of the regular volunteers? Yeah, the, the regular volunteers. <laughs> the norms. Oh, we got some... It's cool. The teens are here. Awesome, awesome. All right, so I just realized I didn't print one of my papers, but that's okay. We can make this work. So in, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we hear from about a lot of different characters. So let's start off with Abraham, because we read Abraham's story today. So... What happened first in the life of Abraham? I, I think first we had God's call, right? So, so God calls Abraham. And what does this cause? This causes Abraham to come to faith, right? So God calls, and then there's faith. Here, maybe let's go up on the platform just so everyone can have a better view because you guys are going to have to move, and it's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited, and I planned this. All right, so... Um, so we have God's call, we have faith, and then really next in the story of Abraham is what I'm going to call a negative response, right? Right, because God calls and says, hey, go bear me a child. And, and Abraham has faith, but he thinks about it and he's like, no, this doesn't really work. And so if we remember the story, Abraham goes on and he, and he has a child with one of the maidservants, right? Because he's like, this, my chances are way better. I'm going to have a son. I'm still accomplishing what God wanted. I just know better than God. That never works out, right? So, so there's a negative response, but then what happens is, is God calls again, right? God's like, Abraham, dude, what, what's going on? There's my good papers. All right, we're good. All right, so and then Abraham, I actually do need another volunteer. Yeah. So then God calls again. And so then Abraham begins to have faith. And then Abraham's response is finally a good response, right? So th this is, in, the, in a very quick nutshell, the story of Abraham, right? God's call, there's faith, there's a negative response, then God calls again, then there's some more faith, and then there's a good response. All right? Well, we're going to do a couple more Bible characters just like this. We're going to tell their story. But I want to point something out. So the beginning of all of our stories with Christ start with God's call, right? Every single one of us. We as Wesleyans refer to this as provenient grace, that God calls first. 
Before we even know about God, God is seeking after us and calling after us. And then the faith aspect happens. It's not that when we decide to have faith that God shows up, but God says, I've been here. You can trust me. Have faith, right? And so then there's faith. And then, hopefully, our next step is not a negative response. But we've all been there, right? We do. We have the negative response, usually initially. And so then what happens is God calls again. And then we listen and we're like, okay, maybe, maybe I can trust this God. And so then, then we have faith again. And then ultimately and essentially and hopefully for all of us, it ends in a good response. Well, so these, these first couple of sections here are going to be pretty similar for all of them. And, and I want to I point out to us today that, that this beginning, God's call and our faith, and then whatever response comes, this is salvation. God calls us, and through faith, we say, I'm on board. I believe. So every character that we go through, we're, you guys kind of got the easy one, because you're in salvation. So, so the salvation has to happen before they even begin to listen to the call of God in their life. So, so let, let's try another character. Um, who, give me a character. Let, let's, do, let's do a Bible character. Somebody pick one. David? Okay, so... Uh, Let's start off even at, as young David, right? So God calls David, and he says, you know, to, you're going to fight this giant. And so David has faith. There's a salvation moment there where David says, I'm yours, Lord. Use me. And thankfully, in the life of David, uh, Shelly, if you'll come on over here, we get a good response, right? Kathleen, this is the perfect example. Thank you. This is going to help. So, Riley, if you'll move down a little bit, if you guys will all just kind of sh- slide this way. So, the story of David, right? God calls David to go fight the giant. He says, sure, God, I trust you, I have faith. And then what happens? There's a good response, right? And that's the end of David's story. No. No. So, yeah, so, so there's still salvation, and there's, there's still some, the, like, David did good, I mean... You know, we talked about the, the Philistines just a couple weeks ago. And, and so there's the salvation moment, but uh, let, let's, let's get some faith over here. After, after, I mean, he slayed the giant. That probably boosted the faith, right? And then, uh, but let's just fast forward a little bit uh, to King David in leadership. Um, if you'll come on in negative response. Um, and then just because we've all read the story of David, could you hold two at the same time? You're ambidextrous? Okay. Can you hold both of these? So, I would say David needs two negative responses right here, right? Like, he just really, really, it it was bad. But ultimately, see, we could really use another person. We just, there's a lack of volunteers. So then at the end, there's more faith, right? And then, finally, a good response from David. But boy, it takes a long time. Took his entire life. Hmm. All right, let's do one more. Uh, did we? Did you say Jonah? Good, because I had him in my notes. All right. Uh, so, so again, Jonah is a great story because it, it's it's not traditional. So, Patty gets to stay. Right. It always starts with God's call. And so, Jonah was a man of faith. 
so Peg's going to stay here. Uh, but yeah, sadly, Shelly's going to have to move down the line. Because Jonah had faith, but we're going to need negative response to come over here. Then faith, then good response. Uh, yeah, you can drop your negative response. Uh, yeah, the whole tree story, God's call, and we'll end here with a good response. So if we'll swap here, go there, good response. All right, so let's walk through the story of Jonah real fast. So as we probably know, Jonah's called by God to go to Nineveh, and he, he, he believes in God, and he has faith, but Jonah says, oh, those Ninevites, I'm, I'm not going there. They're going to tear me up. It's not going to go good. I'm not going. So we all know he tries to flee. We talked last week about running away from God is never a good idea. He goes out on the boat. A storm comes. They cast lots, and he's just like, guys, just throw me over. It's my fault. I love you guys. Just throw me in the water. He gets swallowed by the fish. A whole big negative response. But even in the midst of Jonah's negative response, what happens? In the belly of the fish, what did he do? Prayed. His faith was with him in the valley. His faith was with him at the bottom. Quite literally, lower than he's ever been. (laughs) And even in the midst of being inside of a fish, finally, good response. Getting vomited out of a fish does not seem like a good response, but in that case, it was the best option. (laughs) And so finally, there's a good response, and God calls again and says, all right, you're out. Now get to Nineveh. We could have avoided this. And then there's a good response, right? And even, I mean, we could look at New Testament characters, right? We look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, You know, Saul calls him, blinds him, sends him on the road to Damascus. He has faith. He's like, all right, I'm going. I'm blind, but lead me. Show me the way. Uh, Then there's actually, you don't have to move. There's a good response, and then there's some faith, and then, actually, let's have you move. So, yeah, let's have a good response. Come over here. There's a good response, and there's some faith, and then there's a negative response, uh, because, you know, Paul kind of gets a little hesitant, and then God calls him into ministry and says, hey, you're going to be like the, the ideal missionary. We're going to show the world what missions is like because of you, Paul. And Paul responds and does miraculous things. We've been studying Acts on Wednesday nights. If you're not there, you're missing out. But there's a good response. God is doing things through Paul. So I, I want to talk a, a little more theology here before I have our, our crew sit down, but so we have salvation here, right? And really anything after this is part of our journey, right? And then somewhere in the midst of here, between our good response, our negative response, and our faith, intertwining and mingling and trying to, to, to figure things out, This is where sanctification takes place. Where, as Wesleyans, we believe that sanctification is is God setting us apart, setting us aside and and using us for the work of God in the world. But our sanctification is instantaneous, but it's also a part of our journey. As we continue into negative responses, and God's calling, and then our responses, and then another series of faith, and then good response and bad response. All of this is God continuing to sanctify us until somewhere way down here on the line, the the last part of this is glorification, which is the day that we see Christ face to face. 
So I want us to keep all of this in mind as I talk for the next 10 minutes. Please don't time me. But for the next 10 minutes, we're going to unpack faith. And I want us to keep all of this in mind. Keep, keep in mind the terms salvation, sanctification, glorification. And I will stop sounding like a theology professor, and we'll get back into Scripture now. So thank you guys for, for being up here. You're wonderful. Uh, you can take those home. You can sell them. You can do whatever. Yeah, yeah. Recycle them. Um, so, I've said it once, and I'll say it again a thousand more times. Salvation is not the end of our story. Salvation is the beginning of our journey. Every, we could have gone through every character in the Bible, and it would have had to start with God's calling and our response in faith. Sanctification is not the end of our journey. Once we are sanctified believers in Jesus Christ, we're not done. It's just a checkpoint that's a mile marker pointing to the Spirit doing a fresh work in us. But if, if we just look back at that day that we got sanctified and we think that the journey was over, we are missing out on a lot. Well, faith can get construed to mean all kinds of things these days. We, we can have faith in governments, faith in systems, faith in structures, faith in organizations. And it's, those aren't faiths that take us on a journey. Faith in these things just leads to disappointment 100% of the time. 100%. The structure is going to fail you. The government is going to fail you. Any box that you want to try to put your faith in is going to fail you. Faith is a gift from God. Faith is an invitation into a relationship with the one true God who never falls short on God's end of our covenant. I think that faith often gets thought of as, as a strong willpower to ask God to do something. And we just, if you have enough faith, you can keep asking long enough and hard enough and God will finally cave and do it. We can see faith as our ability to control God into doing whatever we want. This is not even close. Not even close to what it means to have faith. As I mentioned before in our prayer series, that when something terrible happens, the thought should never be if that person had had more faith. Bad. No good. We never think that. If that's the case, then Jesus needed more faith so he wouldn't have had to die on the cross. Just think of it that way. When we get to that point that we think we can use God to accomplish what we want, we've become God in our own mind. And that's called idolatry, which is the exact opposite of faith. Just read the Old Testament. It's full of idolatry. Just read the New Testament. It's full of idolatry. Just open a magazine. It's full of idolatry. My cousin Josh, some of you have met him. Uh, he, he lived with us for a couple years in high school. And uh, he's, he's like a brother to me. You know, we, we're not really cousins. We're brothers. But he... Uh, at, at a young age, his parents divorced, and from a, from, as, from a young child, he had to make tough decisions, you know, just like things that kids should never have to decide, he was having to decide. And in, in his high school years, he kind of was just sick of making decisions, and so he would walk in the room, and he would go, hey, Ryan, green or blue? And I would say, uh-uh, 
I'm not doing it. Because what he meant by green or blue was, should I move back to Atlanta with my parents next year? (laughs) But he didn't want to make the decision. So he wanted somebody else to make the decision for him, and he knew if he explained the situation that everyone would say, no, you need to figure this out on your own. And then it got to the point where it was even that way on little things. He would, he'd go to put shoes on, and he'd look at three pairs of shoes, and he'd just go, uh, hey, Ryan, one, two, or three. Like, he just, he didn't want to make a decision. Because making decisions can be really tough and hard. And a lot of times, when, when God is calling us to step out on faith and make a decision, we'd much rather just say, hey, God, green or blue? Just tell me. Just green or blue. I don't care. Just, just let me know. And, and, we don't want to make decisions a lot of times that are just huge. Well, I, I want us to think of faith in a little different way today. For today, let our, our definition of faith be that faith is a posture of our heart to believe that God is able. Not just to believe that God is able to do what we want, but to believe that God is able to truly do anything. When this is our definition of faith, we can live knowing that God is going to be faithful. Things might not go how we thought, but God will be faithful. And it's through faith that we're able to sustain these moments when the unexpected happens. Or these moments when the exact opposite of our prayers begin to happen. True faith is praying and knowing that God can answer however God wants. Yet, God wants to hear from you. God wants to hear from you and know your heart and to be in relationship. Faith is a journey. We call Christians people of faith, but faith is not something that we master at salvation or sanctification. But it's something that we practice. Just like doctors, right? They go to school for like 10 years plus whatever it takes to become a doctor these days. And they do all of this, and then they finally get to start their own business. And what's it called? It's called a practice. (laughs) And the doctors could stay in school for 50 years. And when they opened their business, it would have to be called a practice. Because every day we're learning something new. And we realize, oh, this used to help, but it's actually causing these side effects. And there's this that doesn't. And, And so it's a practice. It takes good things happening, and it takes bad things happening. For us to see medicine develop and grow. Well, our faith is the exact same way. It is a practice. It's, not, it's something that we're not going to be perfect at. We're not going to bat a thousand. But it's something that we've got to work at. Doctors don't just make a mistake or an accident and just think, hmm, that's unfortunate. Go to the next patient and do the exact same thing. The doctor might make a mistake or try something, and then they immediately start research. All right, what happened? Why? Let's check this. Let's check that. Let's check that. We've got to look at our faith the same way. When Abraham had a child with his maidservant and God wasn't pleased... Abraham needed to say, all right, that didn't work. God's not happy. What needs to change? Our experience helps to form us and shape us. And scripture waters and sustains us. And we continue to grow 
until that day of glorification on the end of our journeys. But on this journey of faith, we often have to make tough decisions. We hear the term all the time, stepping out on faith. Some people use that phrase when they have already calculated all of the risk. They've checked the finances, they've checked every number, they've, they've, they know it's going to work, and they say, we're going to take a step here. You know, much like when uh, the, the thrift store was first started, it was a step of faith. There was calculations. It was, we can do this if this happens and this happens and this happens. But you see, when we step out on faith, there's people like me that like to say, well, that sounds all good and dandy, but if, if there's a job change, then that means the finances change. And then if the finances, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How is that affecting my retirement? Right? And many of you think that way. And that's not a bad thing. But when we step out on faith and truly step out on faith, much like Peter stepping out of the boat to walk to Jesus, Peter didn't, you know, stick a pole in and see if it went in the water and test it out, but he stepped out on faith. And immediately what happened? He had a bad response. He looked away from Jesus and he sinks and Jesus grabs him. He gets pulled back up. There's a good response. Good. It's part of his journey. But church, if we've calculated the risk and we know we're going to make it, we're not stepping out on faith. We're just doing something else that we know we're already capable of doing. And so, I, you know, I, I've heard stories of this church stepping out on faith throughout the years. And it's happened over and over and over. But as part of our journey as a church, it's going to take stepping out on faith on some things. And saying, this isn't what this always looked like. But we feel like this is where God is leading us. So we're going to step out on faith. Or, this is going to cost us a little bit of money. And it, it might not bring tithers into our church to regroup the money. But if it's what God's calling us to do, we need to be able to step out on faith and say, we're going to do this. Because survival is never the goal. You're probably tired of me saying that. But survival is never the goal. Jesus wasn't worried about surviving. He was worried about being faithful. And what, what happened, he was faithful till he died. And then he said, gotcha, death's not the end of me. And church, if we step out on faith and we're doing what God calls us to do, I, I, I never want to see the doors of this building closed, but if they did, and we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that we were faithful to what God called us to, it would be failure. It would be part of our journey. And I say all that to say I don't have some big idea or big, big way we should go. In fact, I didn't even really like this sermon until yesterday when I, uh, there was a classmate of mine at Trevecca that passed away this week of cancer. And, and because we're in the age that we're in, I, I was able to watch, get, watch the funeral online. You know, I, I was able to, and I turn it on and I was a few minutes late. And as soon as I turn it on, a man steps to the pulpit and he says, Hebrews chapter 11. And I went, all right. We're, we're on the right track for tomorrow, I guess. Wednesday night, we talked about how Paul, on his missionary journey, went places, and he was turned away. 
who would go speak in the synagogue but always had more luck with the Gentiles, the non-church people. Sometimes when we step out on faith, it means that we're letting go of who we think we need to be reaching. And we allow God to lead us to who we need to be reaching. When we step out on faith, sometimes we have to lay aside who we think we should be reaching and seek the Lord and say, oh, this is what you have for us. Many of us have family members that we just, we cry out for to the Lord every day, that God would grip, grip their hearts and call them into relationship with God. And something powerful happens the day that we realize that it probably won't be us that leads, a, leads them to the Lord. But if we spend all our time moping and complaining that, the, that our, our cousin, our brother, our uncle, whoever, isn't coming to the Lord, we're missing out on people who God is saying, but this person, you've got the straight track right here. You see him every single day. When we step out on faith, God might be calling us to reach someone that we never imagined. That's my prayer for us, for the church. That we have faith enough that God can reach those that, that we want to reach by means, and we trust God enough to focus on what God wants us, who God wants us to reach. And we don't think about who we want to reach. Sometimes as our faith grows, God calls us not to go somewhere and not to do something. Sometimes God says, stop, wait. Stay. I've got you where I want you. I think that that can happen a lot in the church. A lot of times churches look for that next big idea, the next earth-shattering concept. And sometimes God calls us to that. And other times God says, "You're, you're, you're exactly where I want you. Keep seeking me. Keep watering the seed. Keep planting the seed. But to be a faithful people, we have to be willing to accept either response from God and remember that God will always be faithful. Well, I just have a simple question for us today. We're going to take communion together. Um, and, but, but before we do, I just want to ask, when's the last time you can honestly say you stepped out on faith? When's the last time you can look back and say, I had no idea what was going to happen, but God would not let me do anything else and so I surrendered and I said yes Lord let's do it maybe that looks like just even the last time you talked to a neighbor maybe stepping on faith for you today might look like making a phone call maybe applying for a job maybe answering a call to ministry maybe to get rid of some things in your life that are keeping you too busy Maybe to give. Maybe to receive. When is the last time you took that step and honestly didn't know what was next? But you trusted God. You said, Lord, I'll go. I will do. Well, I want us to spend a moment in prayer asking the Spirit to search our hearts before we partake in communion this morning. Um, as you see, we... Um, we're going to take in real communion that's not in, in, in pre-made cups this morning. Um, thankful to get back to that. Um, and so in a moment, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Patty if she would come and help me um, as, as we pass out the elements. But um, Karen, would you, would you play something for us in these moments? Um, the scripture tells us to, to seek our hearts before we approach the table of the Lord.
to say, God, is there any wicked way in me, anything that you're calling me to step out on that I have just shut you down on? Or God, are you calling me to stay where I'm at? Stay put. And I don't want to be here. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that you would, that your spirit would seek our hearts. See if there be any wicked way in us. Father, that that we would become a faithful people that are willing to step out on faith, that are willing to say yes, even when we don't know the outcomes, the results. God, today as we approach your table, may your table be for us a lesson of faith. And saying that sometimes when we say yes, it looks like being broken open and spilled out for the sake of the other. As we partake of these elements, God, may they be for us the very broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. May they guide us into faithfulness in a spirit that says, yes, Lord, I don't have to have all the answers. So we pray today, God, that as we approach your table, that it would be a means of grace for us that we could be your faithful covenant partner. Bless these elements. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. But as we partake today, I would invite you to come down the middle aisles and then find your way back around to your seats this way. Um, and then hold your elements and we will partake together.
everyone been served that would like to be served? On the night that he was betrayed, Our Lord Jesus Christ, he gathered with the disciples in the upper room. Much would have been their custom this time of year. It was was time for Passover. This was the meal that they would have shared together. And at the beginning of the meal, Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And throughout the meal, they would have had several cups. But the last cup came around. And Jesus looked at them and he said, This is the blood of the new covenant which has been shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Would you stand with me and let's pray one more time. God, we're grateful today to come to this table, your table, which you invite us to by grace. We don't deserve to be here, but God, you invite us and say, come on. For you want to commune with us, and so you invite us into relationship. Help us today to be a people of faith, a people who, who listen, and when you say go, we go, and when you say stay, we stay, a people who, who are willing to lay down things that we're not comfortable giving up, a people who are willing to take a step in knowing that survival is never the goal. For Lord, that we believe if we're following in your way, glorification will come, that we will see you face to face. Help us to remember that salvation is not the beginning, sanctification is not the beginning, it's not the end, it is part of the journey, God. And so help us, even if we've been saved and sanctified for a long time, to realize that our journey still continues in faith, that we need to grow and practice and become more like you each and every day. Help us to become by grace what you are by nature. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now would you go from this place in his grace and his peace as a people of faith. We'll see you this afternoon at 4 o'clock. We'll be outside and having a good time. Please plan to be there. And again, if you uh, please take a minute and, and meet Cassie and her husband, uh, Pros. They'd love to meet you and they'll be around this evening. Thank you.